Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. All right, so we are concluding this week asking the question, what does God call the church family to look like? And specifically, we've been working through relational conflicts and how the gospel of Jesus Christ is the main medicine, the main remedy for our conflicts. It is through remembering the gospel. It's through meditating on the gospel and applying the gospel, which helps us in our relational conflicts. Now, yesterday we looked at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, where Peter exhorts us to supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And then what he stunningly says in verse 9 is that if you lack these qualities, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Meaning, it is when we forget the gospel or when we lay aside the gospel um, that we fail to supplement our faith with these qualities. So let's just, let's just ask the question, how does failing to supplement our faith, our faith with these qualities, how does that evidence that we have forgotten the gospel. Well, come on, Russ. We're waiting for you. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> I was just thinking about the conflict that eventually Paul has with, with Peter. And he takes Peter on in, in, the, in the book of, of Galatians. The essence of Paul's argument against Peter is, why are you acting this way? Have you forgotten what the gospel did with the, the walls that stood between Gentiles and, and Jews? Mm-hmm. Are you so afraid of people that you're going to change your behavior and really forget the power that the gospel had on these huge relational issues between these two groups of people that hated each other? And when you get to to Second Peter, and he's going through all of this and saying, forgetting the gospel makes you live in a way that's out of step with what you've received in Jesus Christ. I was just think, sitting here thinking, do you think he remembered things like that that Paul brought up in Galatia? That he had forgotten the power of the gospel, and so he was living contrary to his own profession. Right. And so here he's saying... That just doesn't happen on a broad level. That happens in the in the details of life. That yeah. that happens in how you interact with people in relationships with regard to self-control or godliness or brotherly affection or love. Mm-hmm. And so Peter's speaking as one that knew some of these concepts because he had fallen in the, this very area. Right. He wasn't preaching to people as some sort of, uh, of ivory tower theologian. He's saying, I understand that forgetting the gospel affects your day-to-day life because I forgot the gospel, and therefore I stumbled mm-hmm. in my relationships with other people. So that's, that's actually helpful in some probably sick or demented way for me mm-hmm. that part of this writing was out of his own experience of 
forgetting the gospel. Yeah, we were, we were talking just a minute ago off the air. Is the gospel something that we live? Uh, I was reading an article by uh, recently by Michael Horton, a, a very fine reformed theologian who I recommend uh, to the listeners reading. Uh, and Michael Horton said, no, the gospel is not something that we live because, because Christ lived the gospel. And we are to have faith in Christ. But uh, Russ pointed out, our lives are to reflect the gospel. And puts me in mind of uh, Ephesians chapter 2, by grace, very famous verse, by grace you have been through, saved, <clears throat> by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, wonderful, and too often we stop there. And then it goes on. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, God has already prepared uh, good works for me to walk in that help me resolve conflicts, uh, that I'm to practice those good works, I'm to practice those virtues. And yeah, it takes effort. Um, it takes work, but we are God's workmanship all along. As we live into those virtues, they become, they do begin to become ingrained in us and begin to become a part of us. Always dependent on God's grace, always dependent on God's initiative, always dependent on the gospel. Mm-hmm. We, we, can't, we can grow into people who are peacemakers, uh, who are conflict resolvers. Several years ago, you guys remember a guy named Gordon McDonald? Oh, yeah. He was the mm-hmm. prominent pastor and writer. He was president at IVP um, for a while. Um, if you remember that Dr. McDonald had an affair with his church secretary, and it was uh, very traumatic. It shook a lot of people. Uh, by God's grace, he was able to reconcile with his wife. But uh, there was a pastor named Joe Novison, a pastor at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, and he contacted Dr. McDonald a few years ago and asked if he could take him to dinner. And of course, Dr. McDonald, you know, loves Jesus Christ, and he he has, of course, since repented of his sin. And and at the end of dinner, Joe Novison said to him, Dr. McDonald, how could a man like you, who loves Jesus as much as you do, who believes the gospel as much as you do, who had a rich ministry, how in the world could you have done what you did? And Dr. McDonald, uh, Dr. McDonald replied, Joe, you're a Calvinist, right? And Joe said, Yes, sir. Dr. McDonald said, so you understand that there is enough evil in your heart to destroy the world three times over, right? Joe said, yes, sir. And then Dr. McDonald said, Joe, I stopped believing that about myself, and that's why I fell. Mm-hmm. And this is directly connected to that quality of self-control that Peter talks about adding and supplementing to your faith. We don't get self-control by white-knuckling the Christian life. Yes. Right. Yeah. We get self-control by remembering, but for the grace of God, there go I. I mean, we can look right. at Dr. McDonald, or we can look at another pastor who fell this week, Art Azurdia, in the sexual morality, and we can, with righteous indignation, like, kind of slam our fists down at, on the desk, but the right response is, oh, God. I mean, when I hear those things, I, the fear of God comes over me because I look at these guys and I'm like, these guys are smarter than me. These guys have spent more time in seminary. They've done all of these things. They have all these accomplishments and none of these things protected them from falling. But I think the, the key in all of what you said there was we really do have to believe, but by the grace of God, we would also go. And one of the things that... I am so grateful for in the seminary that I attended was that that aspect, the experiential aspect, that it's not just truths known. Those truths have to very permeate your being. You have to feel in the very core of your being 
that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would go there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard those pious statements made so many times without feeling, without really believing them. We really don't understand what we're capable of. It, it really is the grace of God that we stand or fall on. Yes. And we have to believe that. We have to passionately believe that. And that's why we have to go back to the gospel so many times over and say, I don't just need grace to to save me from my initial sin. I need an ongoing grace to save me for my ongoing sin. And this is why the the hope of of the scriptures is that someday we, we get to be in the presence of God. And part of that is that I'm finally released from sin, that the work of grace is complete. You're talking about supplementing your faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And we stopped and put a period there, but it goes on to say in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, verse 10, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So, uh, you know, we need to increase. Actually, the stopgap, as you were pointing, Gordon MacDonald forgot those things Mm -hmm. and he fell. You know, these are the these are the things we know that God and His person, you know, the God and His protection and perseverance, uh, the per- perseverance of the saints, the protection of the saints. The you know, He's going to bring that to completion. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we don't want to fall. We don't want. We want to protect ourselves and and be able to say, "But by the grace of God, there go I." Yeah. We want to we want to be in the position where uh, that is said of maybe someone else besides ourselves. And mm-hmm. the only way that can be true is if we're increasing in these in these aspects. Russ, you said off the air, and I had studied, I preached through First Samuel in our academy a few years back, that there is essentially no qualitative difference between Saul and David. Uh, we, we look at David and we say, you know, oh, this was a man after God's own heart. And of course, the scripture says that. But then you look at David's life and he sinned the same quality of sins that David sinned. Absolutely. And what made the difference between him and Saul? The grace of God. The grace of God. John Newton writes, When we look at the ungodly, we are not to hate them, but to pity them, mourn over them, and pray for them. Nor have we any right to boast over them, for by nature of ourselves, we are no better than they. And it's when we really, truly believe that, that we preach the gospel correctly. And when we forget it, what ends up happening is are easy on ourselves and we begin to be hard on other people. Mm-hmm. But when we remember the gospel, we're hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if you will, we're easy on other people. We show them the grace that we ought to show. So our memory of the gospel really does affect how we treat ourselves and also how we treat other people. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that he's given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. It's not some mysterious quality that we're still searching out. He's giving us 
everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's called us by his glory and grace. He's called us. He's placed us in that position. In fact, he called David. And as as a result, even though David had these sins, he's still a man after God's own. He still, you know, because of the gift of God, he was able to use that gift of repentance that God had given to him to bring him back into the heart of God Mm -hmm. in the way that he should be. Well, this uh, has been a a couple great weeks of broadcasting in terms of how God is calling the church uh, to resolve conflicts, and it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that you've enjoyed these broadcasts. If you have missed any of them, you can go to ReformationBoise.com. There you can also find information about our upcoming annual conference. This year's theme is Living in Between, how we live this life between now and glory. Hope you can register. It's right there on the website for free at ReformationBoise.com. We'll see you next time.